another episode of less than 10 small gang podcast it's gonna be episode 54 i think and it's gonna be me uh tenorist and andy astronaut hello hello andy i know you've been pretty busy and not too in eve but have you done anything uh exciting recently yeah um i mean like you said um kind of between real life and other games coming out i haven't been in eve a lot so i haven't gotten much in the last like two weeks or so but i had a couple good roams before that um i'm trying to remember what all we did but um yeah i mean i've been kind of like passively watching noir and some of the stuff noir has been doing they've been on contract and today they were at um a big fight with snuff which looked pretty fun and did like a bomber wing and did like a pretty cool like bushing bomber run which uh caught some lishaks off guard and killed them so i haven't been doing a ton personally but i've been kind of like watching eve still and uh watching people in my corp do fun things very cool i've gotten a couple of pretty good roams with my corp lately um we had a really good set of fights i guess with um p horde near r1o the other day we you know kind of had the assault frigates skirmish with them in QTAC G, and we went back a system, and we had another little skirmish, we went back a system, we had another little skirmish. I think we went back a third system, and then they they thinned out enough that the uh, they left a couple of battleships, not unattended, but insufficiently attended in an ESS, and we killed them, and um, it was pretty good. I've been extremely impressed by how nice it is to have a a good jackdaw pilot on grid. Uh, we have a guy who's been flying them with our fleets who has very good situational awareness and very good, uh, I guess, mechanical awareness of frigates. And he'll do things like deliberately push jags to trigger their ADC when they're still 70 or 80 kilometers out so that by the time they actually come into us, they don't have you know, that giant tank buff available and they're much easier to kill. Oh, it's actually super clever. Yeah. yeah. Is it uh, damped off it or kind of nope, just damage, 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 and range? I think he he's shooting out to like 130, so he can like start poking them a little bit, and then you know as they start to come in, hit them hard enough to convince them to do the ADC, and then by the time they're actually getting into close to tackle range, we can just obliterate them. Yeah, it's super clever. Yeah, he's it's you know. It's nice um, also if you know you have a jacked up pilot who's not uh, primarily concerned about where he's going to warp off to next. Also fair, yeah. So, yeah, but it's been fun. I've had some some good uh, good roams. I've been appreciating that my courtmates are willing to you know ping and plan things like a day out sometimes. So they'll be like, hey, you know, tomorrow at this time, let's do a thing, and that's a lot easier for me to arrange because i can be like okay i'm gonna do all these other things that i need to do before then and and be free because you know playing evil you're an adult is its own challenge i guess yeah that's fair i feel like um at least a little heads up is always nice like it's hard especially with smaller groups right it's hard to have everyone 
ready at the same time or free at the same time unless like you kind of plan it ahead especially when everyone's an adult and has like a real life like if you just yeah. ask me on a random you know wednesday night if i'm free or whatever I, like it's 50 50 toss-up that i've already made plans but if you say hey like next wednesday are you going to be around i'll be like i can be sure i'll just yeah, plan things right. on tuesday I'll, or thursday or whatever I'll plan yeah. that now and then i will yeah so that's been fun i've started uh streaming a little bit when we do rooms which is pretty entertaining um, even though no one really watches it because I don't advertise my Twitch. Well, it is advertised now. Go watch 10 yeah. uh, stream. Eat. 10 arrest. Uh, same Twitch name. Um, but it also like, you know, people have found it, I think, because the like later U.S. time zone streaming scene is pretty bleak. <laughs> Yeah, there's not a whole lot going on for. I mean, there's like the big for, like for said, Eve specifically. In, yeah, in EU, there's not you know a lot of Eve stream or in EU, there's a, a few big Eve streamers, but there's not as many in USTZ. Or at least um, you know, there used to be like a few that were fairly popular or like fairly well known, but I don't know if all of them are still streaming. Yeah, people kind of come and go a lot with that, which you know makes sense with with life and schedules. I think as the pandemic kind of goes up and down people's schedules become very free and then become very full yeah and eve you know streaming eve is its own kind of beast right like you have you know have to worry about stream snipers and things like that like you know it's not just like oh i'm in a different lobby i'm safe kind of thing it's like oh someone can see my system and go there if they want to you know ruin my day or whatever yep for sure yeah, it's usually not too bad. Like, I've roamed with other streamers before, and for the most part, people don't just hard counter you as soon as they see your stream. Some people do, but it's, you know, more often than not, people are like, ooh, he's nearby, I want to go fight him, and just bring something, you know, who maybe would have been busy doing PvE or doing some other thing otherwise. So you get a little more fight out of it, I think. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. All right, well... The uh, the big announcement that we've all been waiting for um, is that CCP is going to totally revamp Faction Warfare, but they haven't made that announcement. So we're going to talk about the other announcement that happened for real, which is that the Anger Games is about to happen again. Yeah, so I'm, ex- I'm, I'm excited for this. I'm not sure if I'll have the time to play in it or not yet, but I'm excited to at least watch it because I really liked last time. And uh, who knows, maybe I'll be Coxinta playing this this time too. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty easy, I think, to join teams this time. There's no alliance or corp requirement. Um, it's just you have to be signed up as a member of a given team, and you can't be on more than one team. Uh, you know, I, I obviously, I guess, except you know, Eve players would absolutely do that if it weren't a rule. Yes, they would. But yeah, I mean, the the basic format is pretty straightforward, right? So it's 7v7. Uh, registration opens uh, first week of February on the 5th. Goes through May. Like Ten said, you can be on any alliance. You don't have to, you know, be on the same alliance to be on a team. Um, it'll be, you know, just captain and I think up to 20 people per team um, are able to be on the roster. And then, yeah, you just can't be on multiple teams. So you can't be like a backup for three teams or something like that. Um, You have to be on one team and stick to it, Um, which I think is, you know, makes sense. And I I like that they're allowing people to, you know, be on teams with friends that are not necessarily um, their alliance. But I think it does make things a little bit messy for, you know, 
it's difficult to say like you will have a lot of teams that stick around right um or like stick with the same people but i think you'll also see a lot of teams where there's maybe three four teams from the same alliance or you know teams are a mash of two teams that we saw in the at or things like that where it might be a little messy as far as like not really knowing who is who kind of thing might be one of the kind of downsides of that again yeah i don't know i think it's kind of it's kind of nice that they're they're specifically not like this is not the alliance tournament teams fighting each other again this is a different tournament you know a different set of rules and different um you know different teams that are you know you're gonna you'll sign up with a team name and that'll be your team Right. So it can be more like seven friends together kind of thing and not necessarily like, oh, this is the, you know, noir team or this is, you know, the Goring team or whatever kind of thing. Yeah. Which is cool. I like hanging out with my friends. So see how that goes. Relatedly, they have created a uh an ELO system, sort of. A you know, a a ranking system which they're basing on team captains. You know, your ladder rank travels with the team captain. And I think they've incorporated data from the AT, the Alliance Open, and the last Anger Games. I think that's all. See, I think that'll be interesting with being able to pick people from, you know, any team or whatever. Um, I think that in an ELO format will be unique. I think they'll have some bugs to work out there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think... My first thought when I was looking at that was like, if you look at the ELO ranking of a League of Legends player, it's based on hundreds or thousands of matches. And between those last three tournaments, the teams that played the most games have played 20 matches, maybe? Yeah, somewhere around there, maybe a little bit more, but that seems yeah. About so it's, right. it's yeah. a very small data pool. So of course, there's going to be some some things with that. Um, and also, like team captain is entirely arbitrary, right? Like, um, there's nothing specific about being a team captain, like officially, right? Like you just say um, this is my team captain. Um, yeah. You, and you don't have to, like, if you want to reset your ranking, you can just name someone else on your team, team captain. Right, um, exactly. But I mean, like, for the Alliance tournament, the team captain's got, you know, their own information channel with CCP for organizing and some things like that that, you know, is a little bit meaningful, but not like, you know, they didn't even have to play in the matches or anything. Like, they were just, it's an organizational kind of role, really. Right, and it's not like the prizes give it, are given to you, right? They get given to, you know, Alliance and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yes. I mean, that's why I think it's, like, I think it makes sense. It's better than trying to track every single pilot, right? Because there's a lot of pilots. <laughs> and That would a be lot a lot more. to do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think it's also, you know, pretty easy to cheese it. So hopefully people just kind of stay in good faith, right? And, you know, team captains will be team captains and people won't worry about the ELO standing and that kind of thing. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. And it's, you know, they're going to sort the the seating by this ELO rating is my understanding. I think they're doing like the, you know, f- number one plays number 16, two plays 15, etc. And then for the bottom half, it's the same 17 plays 32 or whatever the highest team number is so we'll see how that affects it but i don't think that you know i don't think that it's going to determine that you like have a buy or anything like i don't think it's going to contribute like a massive advantage in any way right 
So we'll see. I think also there's just going to be a ton of teams at the like baseline rank, which is going to, at least this round, make that a lot less meaningful. Right. Yeah, I think that's right. And um, it's all in Thunderdome, right? So there's also no like, you know, uh, TQ consequences, really. Like, you don't have to buy your ships or anything like that. Right. Yes, that's true. It is on Thunderdome. And so the, you know, the overhead for for competing is just the entry fee, which I believe is 2,500 plex, uh, which is not nothing, certainly, but it's not, you know, not anything like the amount of ship preparation and plex and everything that goes into getting ready for the AT proper. Right. Um, one thing, I mean, a lot of the rules are very similar to kind of the other tournaments we've seen, but one thing that's kind of interesting is their um, band format for the finals. So I think up until the finals, the band format is more or less the same, right? Where it's like each team bans three ships, and then if there's a, a tie or like both teams ban the same thing, there's like an additional one or something like that. Yes, except that I believe uh, of all your bans, including your duplicate bans, like if you ban three things and there's two duplicates and you get two more bans, no matter what, you can only ever, each team can only ever ban one logistics option. Oh, interesting. Okay. And so then you can't just like yeah. ban out logi in the same gotcha. way it's you know it's still 100 points total but it's only seven ships so they've adjusted the point values a little bit so that it's not you know just like battleships forever and ever um but the other thing that they've done with the points is every duplicate ship you bring with like a specific hull increases the points cost of that hull so like if you bring one command destroyer, it's seven or eight points. I don't remember exactly. But if it's if it's a seven-point ship and you bring one, it's seven points. If you bring two of that same ship, you bring two Bifrosts, instead of being 14 points, it's 16 points. Yeah, and that's actually really interesting. Um, and I think they also restricted it to two ships of each whole size now instead of three, which is what it was for uh, AT, right? I thought it was still three. Uh, maybe it is. Maybe I'm bad at reading. I'll I'll see if I can find it for sure. Okay, but yeah, I've been I've been fiddling around with the, you know, the the spreadsheet, the inevitable spreadsheet, uh, playing with comps and things, and the the additive points thing is surprisingly punitive to things where you'd just be like, okay, I'm gonna bring two EOSs and three Gila's and some tackle out of seven ships. You know, it ends up. Uh, costing you quite a lot more points and it sort of prices you out of doing things like that um, surprisingly quickly so I think it'll make for some I hope and I think it'll make for some interesting uh, comp situations yeah so so when you say same ship like if you brought you know like a bifrost and a stork would that still no penalize you so it's only if it's the exact same ship Mm -hmm. okay so two kirins penalizes you but a kirin and a scalpel doesn't Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully that gives us more variety. I think that'll be, I think that's probably what they were shooting for. And I think that it'll probably achieve that. Yeah. It definitely feels like it playing with comps, even though, you know, I've only been doing it for like a day now. And I'm sure I and other smarter people will come up with many more inventive things. Uh, it definitely feels like it's, it's the extra points cost adding on. Like, you know, if I bring this, 
third cruiser of this type that fits my comp perfectly, I could not and bring a battle cruiser instead, you know, because the points are starting to add up so much. Right. Um, also, I did find it. So teams may field no more than two of each whole class is what the rule uh, is. All right. Um, but then same Logi rule where you can get one Logi cruiser, um, T1 or T2, and or two um, Logi frigs, T1 or right. T2. And they don't like, so you can bring two frigates and two Logi frigates or two cruisers and I one Logi I believe so. Yeah, yeah I, I, I would assume so. And then the um, I think this is the case in the last Anger Games as well, but because it's on uh, Thunderdome, you can bring Atana for shield Logi no, or you can bring... You cannot. It says Atana and Zarmzad count as logistics cruisers. Yeah, but it also right. says elsewhere, no, no mas. Oh, okay. All right. So they canceled that. It's yeah. still in their their rule thing, but yeah, it's still classifying it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. Okay. No flagships. No wild cards. No AT fussing. Alrighty. Is is my understanding. Yeah, I thought that um, it was no specialty ship because, like you said, they they did no wild cards like they've done in the past or there has been in the past. But I thought that they did Atana because it was like on par with Zarm. But I could look at if that's an exception. Oh, it says no special uh, special edition ships are banned except Atana. So I think the Atana might be the single exception, and then they list literally every single XAT ship. Um, but yeah. So uh, maybe Itanas are in, but no, uh, it's the rules I'm looking at have Itana, Raiju, and Laylops added as add-ons this year in the banned unique ships. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, then they just haven't updated their website. Yeah, there's a a link to the new rules in like it's as in a their doc Discord? in their Discord in their announce or in their it's really it's in their forum posts about it, but. You can get to that from their Discord. All right. So read the Discord. Don't read the the Anger Games website, and you will yes. be in the know more than I am. Yes. Um. There's they've politely put changes from last year in red in that document, so you can kind of see. Nice. Okay. Good. Yeah. yeah and I, I like the. I mean, I kind of prefer that. I think the Tana is kind of broken. So. Yeah. I think Zarm has like a trade-off, right, with the you know the way it ramps, but I think that you don't have that with Atana, so you just get really yeah. strong shield reps. So yeah, I, I think that'll that be. They have also better. effectively blocked out uh, Tinker setups by making only logistics able to bring remote cap transfers. Yeah, that's also, um, I think, interesting. Yeah, I think the concern is that in a seven v seven, you know, setup, a tinker you could make a tinker that the other team just absolutely cannot break. Right. Yeah. I mean, you have a lot, so much lower DPS coming at you, and yeah. Logi is much more survivable, right? Because you can't just. Uh, you know, shoot Logi off the field first thing necessarily, you know, Logi yeah. might be able to survive much better. Yeah. So yeah, like you said, I think it's tough because there's some interesting trade-offs, right? Because um, proportionally, if you go one, you know, Logi cruiser um, instead of two Logi frigs, you get a lot more DPS because you're going from five DPS ships to six DPS ships. But 
alternatively, if you have two Logi frigs, they're very, very survivable and it's very hard to break your Logi and it's hard yes. to break the, the other, you know, DPS when there's two Logi frigs on field. Yeah. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what people come up with. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to try to compete. Uh, the Alliance tournament was super fun and I did not do last year's Anger Games, but I think I'm going to make sure that I have time this year. Yeah, I'll kind of uh, see how my schedule looks when it comes around, but I might be tempted to do the same. Yep. All right. Um, we're also going to talk about some other stuff that's been happening in, in EVE. Uh, the big news you know, from the CCP side, what they've been talking about mostly is this uh, Doctor Who event crossover, whatever you want to call it which people people have had a lot of feelings about or a vocal minority have had a lot of feelings about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so when we're recording this, right, it's the very end. I think it's either the last few days or the the event is now over. I'm not exactly sure um, because I don't do PvE events and I also haven't been playing EVE much. But um, when it first came out and when it was first announced, like, boy, was there a lot of people who had very strong appealing feelings about it. And I mean, I'm not going to say I loved the idea at all. Um, I didn't. I wasn't a huge fan of it. Um, just because, I don't know, it just felt like very out of place. And, you know, I, I wasn't going to do the events one way or another. But one thing that I've really appreciated in the past from events is even when I don't do them, I've heard like from people in corp or people I know like, Oh, this is really fun. Um, especially some of the more like low sec focused events where it's PVE, but there's like an opportunity to PVP. Um, and I think there's some mil sec events or sites for this event, but there's been a lot of like high sec stuff and like, some of the people who I think have done them have been like, they're okay, but the rewards aren't super great. And they're not low sec events as far as I know. So like, there's not that same opportunity we've had in the past with special events where it like opens uh, kind of a door for like more activity in a region that doesn't necessarily see a lot. Yeah. Well, the, a lot of the sites are accessed through filaments, so they're not like PVP able sites. Exactly. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, because there was also a bunch of, I mean, so one of the things that I think this was mostly people getting upset over nothing, but I, I do remember one of the things that I kind of saw on Reddit at the very beginning is people were really upset that the filaments, like they grinded all these high sex sites basically to get the filament components to build the filaments um, and went through like hours of work and then like got one singular filament to do the next tier of site or whatever. Um, and apparently, you know, basically what they were trying to, CCP was trying to do is kind of like slow down, you know, it's supposed to be like a three week event. So they were trying to like make sure people were, you know, progressing through it slowly in three weeks instead of finishing the event in the first day kind of thing. Um, yeah. I think there was also some like drop loot table issues, uh, which contributed to that. But um, in general, like there were some people who were like very upset at the beginning that they had done like three hours of site and got sites and got nothing kind of thing or got like one uh, filament for the next year. Yeah, my understanding is there's there are two or three tiers of them. I also don't do a lot of PVE, so I didn't really lean into this. Um, but apparently the higher tier sites are actually pretty difficult given the limitations of what you can filament into them, which is like 
T1 cruisers, basically. Right. I think it was um, CCP um, Swift was talking about that, that it's like limited. It's not that the sites are really hard, like straight out. It's that it's limited by what you can bring in. And that's what makes it difficult. Right. Because they're trying to target it to be, you know, sort of available to newer players. So the, the cap is pretty low on the like what how much skill points you need to put in to to be able to fly into the higher end ones. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. So Yeah. And I understand some people are excited about the fancy suits and scarves that drop as cosmetic items. Uh I personally was more excited about the drugs that came with it because like the last however many events, uh there are a bunch of drugs that are coming with this one. Most of them are scanning related and not terribly interesting, but there's a repair cycle time one, there's an agility one, and there's a sig radius one. Yeah, all not terrible. Those would be nice yeah. things to have. Yeah. So that's, you know, an interesting thing. I've been hearing people say and talking a little bit about how, you know, it feels like these event drugs that last, you know, a month or two at a time and sort of skew one way or another are are sort of the eve equivalent of like seasonal balance changes <laughs> in a way because like we've had the you know the Sancha event drugs that bonus afterburners shields capacitor and laser turrets you know which obviously have even further encouraged Sancha ships which are already pretty good and in some of the other events we've had other you know, there's the Minmatar day ones were all projectile turrets and things like that. So, you know, I kind of like that they're doing these cyclical drugs a little bit. I do wish there was a little more cyclical balance on the actual ships, but... Yeah, I would agree with that. But I think, um, I mean, I guess my understanding is that someone on the balance team was out uh, with a new baby and you know, all the fun joys that come with having a screaming brand new child in your house. Uh, and so had some time off and that that might've kind of slowed down what is the normal kind of balance pass patches that we normally get. And, you know, for CCP is like a fairly large company. It shouldn't be all on one person, but I think that um, that may kind of contribute to kind of the speed or the fact that we are getting these drugs that are kind of, like you know temporary yeah gaps until well it sort of it shares the work into the like the events team that's running these events and doing a lot of the work for them is separate from like the balancing development people right is my understanding so it's sort of spreading some of the work around so it's not this you know it's not something else that the balance team is doing instead of doing balancing it's something that another team is doing that is semi-relevant to balancing. To balance, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but we'll see. Hopefully, we get more regular balance patches on ships because I think there's definitely some ships that need them. But on the flip side, you know, like if you don't do that carefully, I think also you can end up with um, things that are not super fun, uh, which we shall not name in this podcast. <laughs> well, so far well, we're we not going to go, go the there. whole episode. But yeah, on that. On that note, it seems like CCP is, you know, seems like they're happier with this sort of quarterly, you know, we're going to buff 
all the interdictors. We're going to buff all the mining ships. You know, or not buff, but rebalance. Um, yeah, doing it like rather guys, than but... you know, for a while at I don't even know when it was. Is it still 2020? I don't know. At some past point, they were aiming to do like these sort of minor ship tweaks every couple of weeks, kind of a thing. But it seems like they've opted to move away from that and go for this like larger scale changes, and then a couple of you know iterations on those changes. If there's anything immediately problematic about them. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I think they've kind of re. I think they're kind of trying to like reimagine some of the classes, right? Like uh, interceptors are the big one that come to mind, where they changed it to an active module and that kind of thing. Um, warp core stabs, I guess, in that and what ships can fit warp core stabs or what could you know um, what penalties those had, like all those kind of things were big changes that affect large groups of ships at a time and um, kind of change the way those ships are used, at least in some extent, or at least were intended to, whether or not they actually did it is a different story. Right. But, you know, we can, we can judge their intention and their, their success separately. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But I think uh, you hit the nail on the head as far as like uh, the, the trend has definitely been towards kind of these big patches that affect lots of ships at the same time in the same class. Yeah. Which makes sense, you know, to some extent, because, you do want all of the interceptors, all of the interdictors, you know, kind of working in the same, the same way in the same, you know, being the same system because they're doing the same job nominally. But I think that they tend to hit on the, the larger functionality, like the inter, the interdiction nullification system and how that works and not do things like, do something i don't know what anything to the aries to make it not just a hot hot dumpster garden fire mess yeah because it's just i mean mean, it's not it's not that bad but it is clearly superseded by the malediction in basically every way right and i think that's the i don't know so like the patch that comes to mind is like the interdictor patch right where you know everyone knew it was like, oh, if you want a dictor, you use a saber. Done. No problem. And they could have buffed the other ones, so they were about the same. But everyone already has saber alts, so nobody would have changed, even if the other ones were as good as, you know, the saber. And arguably you want, you know, all the dictors to be more or less, right. you know, about the same. Yeah. So some different role in, specializations. Yeah. And so instead doing it all at the same time and making it so that, you know, you got wobbles as a thing. Um, that you could use which i don't really see anyone use but it's an option and then the whole idea of having two that kind of get buffer mods and two that get like speed mods kind of thing or damage mod type things so you have like kind of options for something that's fast something that's tanky for both armor and shield um they give you like more options for you know the this dictor isn't always the right choice for every situation yeah i actually think they did a really good job of that with interdictors right yeah i do too except for like on grid speed, the saber is now, you know, it doesn't align as fast as the Aeris and it doesn't, you know, absolutely doesn't have the shield buffer that a flycatcher can generate. But similarly, like the Aeris can't get anywhere near a, a, a heretics buffer, you know, so it feels like there's trade-offs, but I, I would choose them based on what I was doing and what fleet I was flying it with rather than just being like, I'm just going to YOLO sabers with armor fleets or whatever, because it's that much better than the rest of them. 
Right, exactly. So I think that's a really good example of like where it was done well as far as like changing a whole class at the same time. And I haven't looked at the, you know, the mining ships and how they work, but I think arguably like maybe someone who mines can tell me, but it seems like there's more trade-offs there, except that I think that they made so one thing I did do when they they did the mining buff is I was like maybe we could take some, you know, like Mimi bait fits and jump out, you know, a low sec or a null sec there a hole and then, you know, like mine somebody's moon with like bait procs or that kind of thing, right? <laughs> Just to see if we could bait a fight yeah. because yeah, it was yeah. something new. And they are abysmal. Like the align time is terrible. And then the way they did the slot layouts, you basically lose, you know, base is tanky, but then the way they change the slot layout, you can't get like a really strong tank as well as the mids to do something like, you know, scram web right. and that kind of thing so like you basically did which i mean they're supposed to be mining ships so okay like maybe you're not supposed to bait tank them and turn them into you know battleship ehp procures like you used to be able to but it's funny and it would have been a great way to you know use these ships off meta and my i think looking at that and then comparing it to them in mining you know they align super slow they're tanky but they don't really have a lot of defense and they don't have as good of dps as you'd hope for if they're going to be stuck on grid for i think like 19 seconds is what their line time is so i was like you know like if there's 20 procurers and you tackle them their drones are going to hurt but if it's you know three procurers in the middle of a fleet of you know hulks all the hulks warp off the procurers are still there and then you're like you know sol kind of thing so yeah so i think that one got done a little dirty because uh bait procs used to be a pretty fun thing and i think they could have been even better but they're not amazing now uh yeah you come up with some fit and they look really good let me know maybe i'll try it but yeah as of now but i think in general the the fact the same idea right that there's there's trade-offs in what you know mining ship you pick and the the best ship is not always the best ship in every situation kind of thing yeah that's definitely the goal and i think i mean i am also not a miner so i'm certainly not an authority on this but what i what i hear is that it you know at least the ideal setup has shifted to a mix of ships instead of just all the rock rolls all the time yeah which i think is good for the most part um you know I think as long as like ships are cheaper overall, I'm happy, which I don't know if that's actually the case. I think they're actually more expensive, but uh, they are more expensive than they, they were in the, in the before times, but it's not as expensive as they were when I started playing. So, you know, mix that's something <laughs> mixed perspective there. Uh, but I think that, you know, as they continue to the higher supplies of minerals and things and the, additional tweaks that they've mentioned to the various parts of the supply chain um, continue. We're going to see the prices of some things coming down, some things staying where they are. I know that they've explicitly stated that they want dreadnoughts to be cheaper a little bit, you know, because of kind of for what you get from them, they should be a little, a little cheaper than they are so you can use them a little more aggressively. The really interesting thing that, um, on one of the Twitch streams or podcasts I watched uh, maybe a month ago now, 
some of the some of the gentlemen from CCP were talking about how they felt like battleships were they didn't mind battleships being at their current price point, but they thought they should be more powerful if they're going to stay at that price point. Right, which I think is I don't know how I feel about that. I, I'm curious to see what their ideas are for making them more powerful. I think that's going to kind of determine whether or not that's the right move or not. Because I, don't know, I think, like, in I think my understanding is that income is kind of where they want it more or less. Like, they don't want to just overall buff income. They they want to get ships to a spot where people can afford X ship in X amount of time of doing whatever they're doing now. Um, and I think there's a point where even if a ship is strong in some situations, like, for example, if you roam in a battleship into, you know, horde space, chances you come out with your battleship are very low. So if your battleship is expensive, like a bill or something like that, you're not going to be able to do that every day, even if battleships are strong. Um, if you're yeah. using them in straight up fights or one v ones where you have a good chance to win because your battleship is strong, like that's a different story. But that's often not the case. Yeah, it'll be definitely be interesting. You know, people have posited many ideas for how battleships could be stronger, from like giving them a a bonus like super capitals get to uh, the appropriately sized uh, armor and shield buffer modules, so that they end up with a, you know, a significantly higher base HP once you fit a plate or an extender to them. Or someone was suggesting the other day, like a sort of offensive defensive two mode thing, like the T3 destroyers have, but a little simplified. You know, there are a lot of there are a lot of ways that they could do that, I guess. Um, but I don't think that anyone from CCP has really indicated what direction they're thinking about so far. Yeah, I don't think they have. I also think it's kind of interesting because if you look at it, um, battleships haven't really changed much in a long time. Uh, I mean, Surgical Strike hit battleships just like it hit everything else. Um, I think it hit them a little bit harder because they have T1 resist profiles. But if you look at battleships, like they used to be a meta for big fleets um, prior to, you know, Munin's online type uh, ADC changes and then the Munin getting a few tweaks, which was yeah. fairly early on. And when I played like that's, I'm, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, that's been, you know, two, three, three years that it's been just like Munins have been more or less the go-to, but it's kind of interesting because I feel like battleships never got worse overall. They just got worse relative to the other options that have kind of been buffed and creeped. Yeah. I definitely way. agree with that. I think, I I vaguely recall when they did some of the they did a, some changes to some of the navy battleships to make them like the Armageddon or rather they changed the Armageddon away from the navy Armageddon anyway but like like the navy Armageddon has been okay but not great but also the same stats for 5 years I don't even know um, the last time that Navy battleships or anything else were modified. 
Which is kind of wild when you think of how many, like, there's other ships that have been, you know, touched maybe three, four times in that same time period. So it's kind of weird to think that, you know, battleships just haven't been touched. Yeah. It is it is interesting. I don't know. There's some other ships that have gone similar lengths of time, like T1 cruisers, have also not been modified significantly in quite a while. But... Yeah, which is kind of interesting, though, because I think of t1 cruisers is like for their price point at least i guess relative to everything else i feel like they're in a pretty good spot like i've never thought like oh many of them not all of them not not no yes poor bellicose um but yeah Yeah. like if you think of a caracol you're like you know caracol's not great but it's not terrible either like you see 10 caracols and you you don't just instantly go like oh i can cheese on this you know you're like yeah they're like okay that's Gonna hurt. That's probably a lot of rapid light. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I think, like, you know, I think of that, and I'm like, oh, like they're fairly balanced. You know, Omen is not great, but it's okay. Stabber's pretty good. You know, there's definitely, like you said, the the sad children in there that are like in the class, not great. Yes. Yeah. Poor Rupture. Yeah, but then I look at um, you know, battleships, and I'm like, would I want to roam in any of these? And the answer is usually no. Um, yeah, there's, there's maybe a couple. couple that really makes sense and it's interesting they've t2 battleships have gotten a bunch of iterations recently um, right yeah both of them and hacks have gotten changes pirate ships have gotten changes um i think recons might be one of the yeah the i mean cruisers re- that hasn't been touched in a while recons got changed with the sino changes right but that's been quite yeah a while now. yeah and that's not didn't really change their their combat function exactly. Right. It changed their role yeah. more. Yeah, it changed their role in fleets, but it didn't change their combat capabilities necessarily. But it did definitely kind of turn them into a URS I know ship most of the yes. time. You react very differently than well I guess we just used to react to everything as over a ship, but right, it used to, <laughs> every every interceptor was uh, was yep. a Sino. Here come the super Every VNI or I guess now Ishtar's was you know had a Sino on it. It was ready to light for you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, when you look back at those things, you're like, you know, some things have definitely changed for the better, and maybe I should be less negative or you know, I guess like uh, be happy that those changes happened more, which I, I definitely am. Like yes. the fact that you don't have a Sino lit on you every time you tackle something is like made the game much more yeah, enjoyable every time. Just yeah unbelievable like every i mean literally every time and same thing you know like it used to be that you would always like jump through a gate and there would be a bunch of bubbles and then there would be a sino uh on you know some ibis and then you would have a super on top of you anytime you know they knew that you couldn't escalate right and like yeah. things like that that just like don't happen anymore and it's quite nice yeah well now we have other problems but i think it's definitely you know a very inherently human thing to react more strongly to negatives and positives because oh, definitely you know i think it's based in a like bad things might kill you good things you know whatever <laughs> like i'm trying to stay alive out here in this jungle yeah good things might make you slightly happy that day bad things might kill you forever right so it's you know prioritized like that so we we have very strong reactions to things we don't like but there are some good things happening um I would love it if CCP follows through on their talk about changing Citadel mechanics, for example. 
yeah so they they it's been very vague but that's kind of the it's it has been mentioned that there is going to be a big focus on citadel mechanics uh timer mechanics and specifically they've highlighted that um there was like a document that went around from a bunch of well-known fcs all of which do kind of big mostly bigger block stuff but also low sec and that kind of thing um highlighting kind of all their complaints with how basically Citadel mechanics are terrible and not engaging content. Um, and CCP yeah. has basically said, we read this document, we acknowledge that this is a problem, we want to change it, and this is one of the things that we'd like to highlight this year or focus on is we plan, I guess they haven't, they didn't give a time frame, but they said we are going to focus on Citadel mechanics and how they work. And we understand that these problems listed in this post are relevant for you know players which i think is good you know um i it's been that document came out probably six plus months ago Uh, so that i think yeah yeah so i don't remember what all was highlighted on it but i remember at the time it came out reading it and being like oh yeah like these all make sense which if you're gonna have like pretty much every major fc in the game agree on them i think it's pretty yeah you know it's pretty clear that it was pretty much just like these these ways cause the fleet fights that happen around structures to be simplified and tedious rather than allowing for depth and engagement right and a lot of um i think there were some issues with time zone taking and things like that were on there as well like the you know the way that timers are forced to be in a time that's bad for one group always and never in a like intermediate time for both groups and stuff like that yes yeah Um, there's no there's no room for error in setting it up um like you could put the wrong amount of strand in a pos and that would put your timer in the wrong time and the other thing is that they both the damage cap and the the three timer or the i guess two timers the initial reinforcement and then the two timers after that um and the way they're spaced out drags it way out when you're if you're going to kill a pos, you would hit it and then sometime in the next day or two, like I think thirty six hours maybe at most, you hit it again and then you're done. But a structure, right. you know, in a in a null sec, you're looking at hitting it, hitting it again a couple of days later, hitting it again a couple of days after that, and so you have not just one off time zone interaction, but at least two. Yeah. And you also have the issue that, yeah, you also have the issue that, you know, you can do, basically you can shoot a structure two times and then on the last time the defender comes and all your work was, goes back to zero, right? There's not like a, like there's no reward for, you know, getting it at least to the last timer. Like, it's not like it just goes back one timer. It's not like you can just let people, you know, get something down to structure, mass form on the structure form, and then all their work was wasted and you only formed once kind of yeah. thing. And you end up with this this uneven thing where they've formed three times for no fights till the last one, and you form one time for a definite fight as the right. defender. And that's exactly like, in your time zone. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So <laughs> Yeah, so I we'll see. I'm, I'm hoping that there's some changes that are kind of relevant to small gang and things like that. Um, 
you know, if anyone has fought on a Fortis Arcrid um, as like a, a Nano King, um, if there's anyone there to man it, it is not great. Uh, yeah, structure structure newts and jams are s- extremely powerful. Right against um, smaller groups in particular. Yeah, it has been kind of interesting. Like um, fighting on Athenors, I, I actually like. I want to say I like it, but I think it's interesting because Athenors do abysmal DPS, but they can bring newts, they can bring webs. And so that in combination with um, some like mining ships, like for example, we uh, tackled an Orca on um, an Athenor grid. He still had links up, warped, um, caught him before he could, you know, uh, let his links down and um, lose his weapons timer. And we had a really good fight because the the structure was nuding us out. Uh, the orca with the new um, kind of industrial core gets like the you know drone damage bonus, so he was like hurting us pretty good because we had all like a lot of uh, nano frigates that you know aren't particularly tanky, and so we're sitting on this grid that can also tackle you, can newt you, um, and like it ended up being a pretty close fight in what often Athenor grid would have just been us you know creaming an orca. Um, and so, like, it, it made it more engaging for sure because of the fact that there was, you know, new pressure. There was drones coming. There was webs. There was, you know, a yeah. timed like thirty second point. So it did make it more engaging. Um, but you know, if that would have been an Asher House, we like couldn't even have thought of tackling him. If there was a gunner, we would have been like, oh, we, right. we got to leave. Yeah, never you know? mind, we're gonna go. And right, never mind a Fortizar or a keep star which can just like delete you from 500 kilometers right exactly like if you accidentally warp to a keep star and you don't warp off before it locks you you're dead like if there's someone (laughs) someone's paying attention and usually uh from my time in big blocks there's one bored guy that's can man it and is always sitting there just on the off chance so badly to say someone right it doesn't even matter if there's someone else on his own like alliance that's uh you know detethered no. and also going no. to get doomsday they're like collateral damage and he doesn't even care no, firing like, the doomsday is what he's after does, does yeah. whatever happens after that happens i've literally seen someone fire a doomsday for like a you know 10 mil frigate and killed like a 300 mil like hack or you know dst or something else that was also undocked and like <laughs> on the ground <laughs> which is pretty like entertaining when you figure out that that happened and you're like you know the t1 frigate it's pretty funny but um yeah like yep. they just want to fire it they just want to press that button which to be fair if i got to press a big button that did a lot of damage i'd probably press it too yeah like press the button see the giant lightning watch everything explode that's extremely satisfying yeah and after you're waiting three hours to do it you know it's a little rewarding yeah um, but yeah, I, I agree. I kind of feel like fighting on structure grids is like fighting boss mechanics in other MMOs. You know what I mean? There's like these timed things that are super powerful that you have to either like avoid or compensate for one way or another. Um, yeah, or in the case of like subcaps on a keep start grid, you just yeah, you just it, die. You know, every <laughs> x amount of time, everyone's gonna Warp get down, right? Yeah, yeah, yes. It's certainly it's unfightable uh, with small gang uh, at certain levels, but like with the with an Athenor, you know, like there's a little bit of damage, but the newts are still very bad. So there's some things you can kind of work around. Yeah, the the small gang game is. Uh, do you think any of these people can man the structure? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, so uh, the structure. What do we think? Is there someone who can gun it? 
there's a Myrmidon sitting on it untethered, so I guarantee you someone's about to log into it. Yeah, I mean, one of the things um, that one person I run with does that's pretty clever, especially for, like, bop straps, is they'll go through and check, I mean, when you have the time, right? Because you're you're cloaked and they're either going to be out in the belt or they're not. Um, you go through and check the names and see which one of them have, like, titles for the corporations. Um, because a lot of times the people who can man things will have titles that make sense and align with that because they're mm-hmm. bigger groups and they want to like yeah, they have it them, organized, you know. So if somebody has like captain or marshal or something like that, you're like, oh, this guy can probably, you yeah, know, like, like but if everyone rolls, that's my right. favorite one. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're like, this is very clear. Yeah. But if it's just like, you know, recruit or whatever, you're like, okay, we're good. We can, you know, like we're going to tackle them literally on the grid and they're not going to be able to do anything about it. Yep. So we'll see. Maybe they'll change things. Maybe they'll change tether. Maybe they'll change other, you know, similar mechanics. But I think that the main swath of that is going to be aimed at really just like timer mechanics and the big fights that happen around those. So we can hope that something relevant to small gang also happens. But I wouldn't hold my breath for it. But yes, maybe. I don't. I don't think the changes will be aimed at small gang certainly. And it's you know a the majority of the fights that we at least get into aren't on structure grids and not just because structures are dangerous, but just because like, that's not where you go to find people doing things for the most part. Right. About all you find is um, miners or boosters for mining fleets that haven't recycled yet is the main thing. I think I caught one not too long ago. I caught um, a carrier on a Fortisar. Um, because his fighters hadn't warped to him yet. Um, so Ooh. there's a few things like that. Yeah, that yeah, one was actually... I, I don't know if we've recorded since I did that one or not, but it was uh, a very blingy carrier, and I was very pleasantly surprised. Oh, I saw he had that. A, yeah. yeah, he had an officer fighter support unit. So <laughs> he was he was a Thanatos that was the price of a Nyx. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, it was pretty cool. Surprise. Siobhan, yeah, Siobhan, who's one of the NanoCoin guys, um, actually popped out Thera with a nightmare and helped us DPS him down because we were trying to like plink away with him or add him with like some T1 cruisers and a, like a faction cruiser <laughs> too. We're just slowly, slowly, yep. slowly chewing through this buffer Thanatos, and then Siobhan hops on and he's like, "Hey, you need DPS?" And I was like, "Yes, yes, we do." <laughs> yep, please quickly. Comes in. Oh, actually, he wasn't buffer. He was active rep. And yeah, so Siobhan came in with uh, the nightmare newt plus the damage and just like melted him. And I was like, well, that's what we needed. Sweet. Perfect. It was like three, four jumps out of there. It worked perfect. But yeah, so it happens. It can happen on structures, but structures are still spooky. Yes. And I expect they'll probably stay a little bit spooky. I would love it if they got some kind of like can't use our guns until. 90% shields or something like some like these are defensive weapons mechanic because they're just so strong but right yeah i'm not holding my breath about that i think something that makes the timer situation less onerous would be very helpful in general because more things will die Right, and more things will be in space trying to reinforce things like um it hasn't happened often but i've had a couple fights where we you know, kind of rained on someone's parade while they were reinforcing something with basically less than they should have been kind of thing. Like, yeah. oh, you know, we, we have one Lodgy and four Jackdaws that we're shooting the Zathanor with or whatever kind of thing. And you're like, oh, well, we can fight this and, like, get a fight off of it. 
Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I think, you know, I don't know. I I continue to be astonished by the number of citadels in space everywhere. Um, I know they're not that expensive, and you know, it's not crazy, but it just is like so much upkeep and yeah, organizing I mean, that I just can't imagine bothering right. with it. Kind of what that's taught me. So, I mean, because the first stabs at balancing structures, right, were the um, cores, so putting cores in structures so that there was always a reward that dropped and that there was a added cost to putting them in space. Um, and then the changes with fuel so that fuel was more expensive so that it cost more to keep them running. Um, and kind of what that taught me is that you know, balancing around price does not work well, especially in EVE, because the people who have money have money, and it doesn't matter how expensive you make something, either no one will have it, or there will be groups that have enough money that it doesn't hurt them. Like, yeah. there's no way to balance it to where even, like, medium-sized groups are, you know, it's working properly. Like, it, it just, you can't balance it with the, the different sizes of groups and the level of income. Right. If a 50-man like, group is expected to be able to set up Athenors on moons, then a 10,000 man group like just has Athenors. Right. They, forever. Yeah, exactly. They can put a hundred up if they want to, you know, any time, like a, a day if they really wanted to, you know? So like balancing around the price of something, just especially with structures, at least just doesn't seem to work very well. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's such a range of, you know, they're so universally used for so many things that, you can't really uh, price them for this use, and then also for this use because you're, you know, there's only so many of them that you're using the same ones for different groups doing the same thing at very right. different scales. And it's kind of the same thing as ship balance, right? Like if you have a ship that's really strong and so low, you know, like usually more of those is more better. I think the exception being um, trig ships, but most ships, you know, if they're really strong. As one, you just add a hundred, and they're even stronger. Yeah, I don't know. I I think there are some ships that definitely shine in large group settings, and not, you know, in smaller group ones, or vice versa. Like the Demos, you know, is not a lot a, of not fun. Great... You know, five v five or whatever, but is a problem at you know hundred man fleet size. Yeah, that's true. And like one Munin is not great, but 100 Munins and you alpha anything kind of thing. That's, yeah. I mean, that's true. Yeah. There's some of that. There are some that are just bad at everything. Yeah. And there's some like that are. Navy battleships, bad. fixed Navy battleships. Um, but yeah, I mean, so structures. Um, I guess the other thing is that um, the AT ship stats are unofficially out. They have hit CC, but they are not fully formalized i believe so we have more or less what the stats will be but they won't be official until they're actually released on, on tq right we have at least a, a first look um what they could be and it looks pretty good i think you know for what those ships are uh they're i would be scared of them frankly yes yeah they look spooky they look fun so fast yeah good damps like uh the raiju gets insane damps um i think the slot layout is like five two or five three for uh mince lows so you get 
three damps, I think, like a, a cap booster, or a, I guess three damps, a shield extender, and a MWD, I believe. Maybe it's... I don't know. I, I have to go back and look. Um, because you also get the bonus point. So I think you get two damps and a... Um, uh, six mids, that's what you're... Oh, there we go. That's yeah. why I was like, I'm pretty sure three, you six, can fit three. all this on there. Yeah. So six three. So yeah, you can fit three damps and a point on there, plus your you know shield buffer and an empty if you want to go that way. Mm-hmm. But we'll see what people do. Um, I think six three gives you a lot of options. You could technically like fit it like a carries, do you know minimal armor tank, and still damp the shit out of everything. Yeah. Yep. And the laylapse is following the you know standard like two two spare high slots for. The points, you know, DPS like a Orthrus, but more, even much more. The reload has a reload bonus, reload speed bonus, so your Rapid Light's reload in half the time. It's also not kinlocked, right? No, they they it changed was and that. They changed it. Yeah, yeah, so now it's just like an Orthrus with like a twenty percent damage bonus on top of that, or something. Yeah, that yeah. one's going to be rough. Yeah, that's not going to be a fun one to run into. Yeah. I know people worry about, you know, like being able to move them around without people being like, there's a laylapse, bring 900 people and blob it to death. But yeah, I mean, that's you know, the I problem. Think people who are careful will will find something to do with them. People in wormholes that can choose the holes they come out um, and people won't expect it will be yeah. fine. People in wormholes who Bond Hole has not yet seated. Exactly. Yeah, that'll be that'll be the real question. Yeah, it will be. Um, yeah, I feel I feel like the bets will the the big thing will be like who loses the first one. I feel like yeah. that's the real question. Yes, I think there's I I am led to believe that there's actually a betting pool on this subject. Interesting. All right, well, I gotta see what the odds are. Maybe I'll throw uh, my coin in. Yeah. Um. They're going to be cool, I think. They're they're really pretty. The Mordu Victory skins are also super cool looking. Oh, and that is something that I forgot to mention. Part of the prize pool for the Anger Games is Plex, and part of the prize pool, I believe they have confirmed now, is more uh, Mordu Victory skins. Oh, that's kind of cool. I guess I kind of wish it was different Victory skins, so it wasn't the same as the AT, but... Yeah, but I think you know it's CCP's thing that they were saying around the Alliance Open was that we want to make a prize skin set, right? That yeah. we can use for all the tournaments, but you know, and keep the the prize ships sort of more exclusively to the AT. Yeah, I guess that's fair. So, um, you know. But for a lot of teams, I mean, I guess they've they've we talked a lot about how they kind of opened who all is getting ships, so more people are getting ships. But I think the thing is, like, for a lot of AT pilots, realistically, the only thing they're going to get is a skin, just because even if you're on a team that won ships, right? Like, there's maybe like lowest tier is four ships total on a team of yeah. you know ten people in the round, but usually yeah, that ten means, people like, at an absolute 20, minimum. 30. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, you know, four ship between 20-ish people, probably, um, maybe more, you know, like most people aren't getting a ship realistically. So the one thing you get that's unique to the AT is the fact that you Right, that like you can have and look at is the skin. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so that's, I mean, in that sense, I'm kind of 
bummed because it's the one thing that like I'm like I know I'm going to get a skin and I know it's going to feel special but I guess if it goes out for other tournaments too it will still be special but not as special because it won't be like hey look we won an ATP right. round it'll be like yeah. hey look we won a you know tournament round at some point this year or whatever right and I don't know if I don't know they haven't uh published an actual prize distribution so i don't know if it's just going to be like the top two teams or top one team or top four teams or whatever get skins or if it's going to be the same you know like, like the win. at is every win you get skins but i think because of the sort of step down in prize stuff they might make it more exclusive for the anger games i don't know yet give it Give it only to the winners, and I'll still feel special. There we go. <laughs> no, I, I, I like. Um, I don't know. I like rewarding people for doing tournament play because I feel like tournament play is inherently so much work that people. Uh, it's like so much work that's just not um necessarily appreciated, or like people don't understand quite how much work goes into it unless they're actually like, doing it on a team. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, and I think, you know, my. I my feelings of wanting CCP supporting people running tournaments by helping with prizes is much stronger than my feeling of wanting the prize that I have to be more exclusive. Frankly, right? Yeah, uh, I feel the same way. Like I, I just want to see tournament support because watching tournaments is fun. Being in tournaments is fun. The more they're supported, the more people do them, the better. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think. You know, I don't know how much time. I don't know if there's time in the year for like a third sizable tournament between, like you know, Anger Games is going to be in early June and then, or end end of May into June, and then, you know, if the schedule is similar to this past year, teams are going to start forming for the Alliance tournament not terribly long after that. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, I don't know. We'll see if they end up being more. I know, I don't think the EVENT crew who put on the Alliance Open a year before last, I guess now, I don't think that they have any plans to throw a major tournament of their own since they are effectively the production crew for the Alliance tournament itself. Right, exactly. Which is so much work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, they were throwing a tournament when we didn't have an alliance tournament, but them now kind of shifting over to the the role of, hey, we're going to, you know, do all the production so that this, you know, the actual AT can happen totally makes sense. It's a lot of work and you got to deal with people having all kinds of opinions about every single decision you make, um, which is exhausting, so good for them yeah props props to them lots of work goes into it still appreciative always will be yes and i would probably keep doing them if there weren't prizes because it's fun all right um just to circle back around to roaming i was thinking about this the other day uh right as the you know the 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 war which i uh have some fairly disparaging feelings about but we don't have to get into that. The war that accomplished nothing and changed nothing uh, except boring everyone to death has ended. And so, you know, there was some theorizing and it seemed like at the time there was like 
a little bit more activity in space. Have you noticed, like, has that trend continued? Um, so let's see. So, I mean, like I said, I haven't been playing for a couple weeks, so I'm not the best person to ask. But, like, thinking about it, um, I mean, I did see more in space. Um, but the one thing is it's hard to say whether I like it's hard to attribute to the war being over versus um it being around holiday break because when i was seeing a lot of more a lot more people in space it was you know december right around the holidays um right after new year's um kind of that area and i remember when the war ended for real and there was some upset i roamed you know maybe two three weeks after that and it felt just as dead um and my my justification then was oh it's dead because you know people are still recovering like we haven't given them enough time to really get back and get settled back in their home so maybe it'll get better um but i haven't like i said i haven't roamed after the holiday as much so i don't know um i i think it's like one of those things where it's like i saw more activity last you know time i was on but maybe that's just chance or maybe that was holidays who knows yeah i think it's felt a little better um the last couple weeks when we've been out it's definitely felt like there's there's people being a little more adventurous and being a little more in space. I think, you know, I'm I'm concerned that, you know, they'll go home from the war and be like, okay, we had the war. Now what do I do? I'm gonna go play some other game. Right. You know, yeah. without that kind of drive. To play Eve more. Yeah. Right. I think the thing that like kept me <laughs> This is sort of tragic and funny, but one of the things that kept me really invested in one of my favorite early corporations that I was in is that we moved around constantly, like fully up and moved to different regions. And that like required you to like be like, oh yeah, I got to engage and like move my stuff and then run around and see what's here. And it was really interesting to to think about how much that drove activity in our group relative to like the things that you you normally think of as like oh I log into Eve to do what to, to pack all my shit into a dreadnought and jump it three mids to a new home like that's not what anyone does but once you do that like you've made a bunch of choices and you've you've done something with a purpose of moving somewhere and you're like invested enough in it that it kind of keeps you going a little bit interesting yeah because uh i would think the opposite you know i think like you miss one move right because of real life you know like oh i'm on vacation for a week and can't log in my whole alliance or my whole corp you know moved another region by the time i get back if they're moving to another region i'm like already too behind and i'm just done with it or whatever you know (laughs) that you know that might be true now at the time i was in college and so you know i could just show up yeah, I mean to be fair, I feel like a lot of the yeah, a lot of the Eve player base is older and has more real life and is probably a little bit softer than the old, you know, 2012 yeah. Eve or whatever. Yeah, maybe our next episode should be about how to how to play Eve as an adult. How to set yourself up for for success in a life where you have to schedule things 3 days out and you only have 2 hours to play Eve at a time. I promise you can still nano if you're an adult at the end. Yep. That's yep. I mean, we got Thera and Pochman and Filaments, and like, I think I would have, you know, me, however many years ago, would have thought 
much more negatively of filaments than me today does because me today is like great these are amazing i can teleport to somewhere else in space and not go 40 jumps each direction maybe there's people there maybe there's not because the filament algorithm is uh special let's call it but just the the amount of time to get into things helps me justify the rest of the time that i spend on eve because when i have time i can spend time you know stocking our four stagings that we have for various reasons or whatever but then once that's done because of this mobility that exists in the game now, I can use those stagings in a very short amount of time. Right, that makes sense. I don't know. Mixed, mixed uh, feelings, I guess. I I fondly remember playing Eve in a way where I was like on call all the time. You know. Yeah, like I remember um, not even that long ago doing, you know, evictions and being on Hulk control and being up until like 4 a.m. to make sure that, you know, nobody snuck in and that we, you know, had this wormhole locked in and all that kind of stuff. And if you asked me to do that today, I'd be like, no, I have work tomorrow. (laughs) Like I have a project I'm working on. I got to get this done by, you know, tomorrow or whatever kind of thing. Yeah. So, I mean... Oh, I, I guess like on average, I think the player base is older, and so a lot of those things appeal more than they used to. But I'm sure there's still, you know, I well, I know for a fact there's still, you know, younger players and people who are in that kind of position where they can do that easily, and that's you know fun and more engaging. And like you know, taking that away, there's there's some level of adding these things does take that away and takes away a little bit yes. of that feeling. Yeah, but I, I, you know, I kind of, I think it. Um, correlates well, I guess. Like the the mobility that small gang can achieve now correlates pretty well with the mobility that large groups can achieve now, because there's such a proliferation and such easy use of Titan bridges and Ansiblexes and things that you know back before filaments and things. And this this time I'm thinking about it also was like you know you couldn't just log a Titan in to tether or undock it from your keep star and jump out of it, you know, or like jump in it whenever you wanted and not those characters like lived in those ships. Right. And so there's, it was just a little more limited in terms of some of those options. And like post jump bridges had fatigue and we're about to get onto my favorite topic again. I'm not doing it, but they strong. <laughs> yeah. But I know what you mean. It, like mobility in general, it's all increased across the board. Yeah, so that's true. So, you know, everyone's more mobile. It makes more sense. It's not yeah, the and same. And I think that suits modern, you know, the modern gaming appetite a little better, maybe. Yeah, which is true. I think it also takes a little bit away from what's unique about Eve. But I think it's, you know, like you said, I think for the player base and where it is now, like, I think you can't just leave it the same and be like, but Eve's unique. You know, you, if, you have to change it. <laughs> if Eve was uniquely exactly identical to 2012 Eve... I wouldn't still be playing it, you know? I don't think a lot of people would because it's like, you know, new players would log in and be like, what are these graphics? Right, exactly. So, yeah. So, you so, know, modern the modern era and all, but we can continue to yell at CCP from our, our podcast seat here for the things we want. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm glad it changes too. I'm glad it's not the same 2012 Eve. There's definitely changes for the worse, but like you said, there's been a lot of things that have changed for the better too. Yeah, 
and for, to some extent, I'm not a not generally a big like change for the sake of change person, but you know it does get figured out. You know, if ship balance never changed, there would you know you'd run out of things to theory craft, um, unless you're that guy in our Discord who has like twenty thousand pifa fits or something in this giant math spreadsheet. Um, but I'm not that person, and so I like it when they change ships and I get to play with new things that are like easy and like you know in the in the shallow end of the pool. Right. Yeah, I agree. So. Right. Well, I think that is all we have for today without going into another really big topic. Um, do you have any shout outs or other wrap ups you want to want to throw out today? Uh, let's see. Well, I'll do two shout outs. So I'll shout out to my courtmates that are still uh, logging in and playing Eve while I'm being lazy and not. Um, so like shout out to them for still doing things, making the corp run, getting kills, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but then also shout out to, um, I guess, Feral, actually. So um, there's part of what I've been doing, other than real life stuff actually being busy, is um, playing a new game called Mortal Online 2, which is very Eve-like, but more kind of like Eve meets Skyrim in a way. Uh, and Feral's been playing it and um, convinced me to try it as well. Um, and there's a couple other Eve nerds that I know that are also playing it to try it out. So... Shout out to all of them for, um, yeah, just playing MOT with me and seeing how it is. Oh, that's cool. That's one of the things I like about the the communities that we make in Eve is that we go play other games and things together too, and it becomes, you know, after you're in corp with someone for a year or two years, or you know, there are people in Eve I've known longer than my wife, <laughs> so. You know, it becomes a little bit more of a community than than you know, I find in most games. Yeah, definitely. I don't think there's any other game where I've played like multiple games with someone um, that I've met. It's only happened with e players. Um, yeah. Everyone else that I play like more than one game with has always been um, like someone I know in real life, kind of thing. Right. You know them in real life first, and you start playing different games together. Right. Exactly. There. Yeah. Not game to game. Right, not we played Eve together, we're now friends, and now we play, you know, games together. So yeah, so that's been really cool. So shout out to that, because that's kind of been the first time I've ever experienced that, and it's been cool and fun. Nice. I'm going to shout out these these dudes who posted on Reddit asking for small gang ship advice and bravely linked their Discord on Reddit. I think there's like three of them in their group, and they wanted to talk about like what ships they could fly with with a co- only a couple of people and how it would work. They got some good advice on Reddit and some people joined their Discord and have given them some, you know, good civil advice. You know, it's just really nice to see people wanting to try small gang stuff and wanting to get better at it, you know, from a place of not like I'm tired of being, you know, one of millions or whatever, but just like we tried this already and we like it and where are our resources to get better at it? Right, yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's cool. That's nice. That's nice. I like to hear stories about that, like how people end up making that corner like kind of into small gang, which you know is a turn that a lot of players don't take. And some of them take it because they're so rich and bored with every other aspect of the game that they're like, oh, maybe I'll try this. 
And some of them just, you know, run into a person who leads them to it, or they have a, an experience. For me, it was getting ganked or attempted ganked in my mission running battleship. These guys in bombers, which, you know, in hindsight, like now I would think like, yeah, of course I killed them. But like, they're like the first people I ever killed in EVE. These two bombers that were trying to blow up my APOC. Yeah, yeah. So that was like, oh, okay, maybe this game is fun. <laughs> like, here's the thing I can care about. Yeah, I mean, my first one was like, what got me into PvP was well before the um, high sec war deck changes, when basically if you were a high sec miner, anyone could deck you at any time, and you would just be told to like dock up for a week because like, you know, there was nothing stopping. There wasn't like the you need to have a structure in space before you're well, eligible or anything like that. Right. And so I was, uh, you know, this little high sec miner. I got war decked like three times and we just never defended ourselves. And I was sick of it. And I was like, this is stupid. I don't want to, you know, play a game where I just stay docked up for, you know, right. weeks at yeah, a time. That's, that's a terrible game. Right. And so I was like, I want to learn how to, you know, defend ourselves or whatever so i made up an alt which ended up being you know now my main but i made a pvp alt and i was like i want to learn and that's how i got in i tried brave and i was like oh this is terrible like i'm not actually learning anything and then went somewhere else and started like actually learning small gang and that's actually where i met feral it was like my second corp ever and uh learned how to you know tackle vnis um and frigates and kill them um like learned how to you know manually pilot all that kind of fun stuff and then now i'm here <laughs> now you're now you're eve famous sort of sort of kind of barely but i'll take it all right well i think that's gonna wrap us up for today i'm hoping we can get someone from ccp to come on and talk to us about some interesting stuff i want to talk about either next episode or the one after we'll see and until then remember it's not the size of your gang it's how you use it